Hi, guys. Welcome to this episode of The Trainer Feed. We are your hosts. My name is Angel Sanchez. We have JD, Jack Delogere. What's going on, everybody? And we have DB, David Bravo. You're... Hello. We are ready to rock and roll today. We're going to keep it short. This is going to be a short episode. We're going to talk about a couple of things. Starting with, bum, 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 losing a client. Oh, nah. <laughs> nah, I think it's a, it's a regular part of being a trainer. It's a part that nobody wants to address. And um, yeah, nobody wants to address, not even your managers. They just look at you like, so you lost that client. <laughs> like, um, but we all handle it, I'm sure, different ways. But it is important to kind of reflect on that and figure out how you handle losing a client and then also try to make it not such an awkward thing when you see that person training with uh, Jacques across the room and they're doing animal flow together. You're saying when they ditch you for a different trainer, not just losing a client. Oh, we, should do, we should do both. You should do both. All right, we'll do both. So the first one is Mr. Still Your Girl, right? So you're training, your you're training your client and then all of a sudden, like, yeah, something came up, whatever, whatever. And then they're training with another trainer. You see that across the room. So I know I've seen that happen. That's happened to me before. Same. And it's not, it's never like an easy thing because it's, it's like a little bit awkward. And depending on how that happens, like if it's like, oh, you know, can't do it because of X, Y, and Z. Like, let's say it was a money thing, right? Let's say, you know, the expenses and finances of that. And then next week they're training with somebody else. It's like, well, that costs the same. So what happened there? Um, but yeah, but uh, I guess it depends on what is actually going on and what actually happened. But uh, how do you guys, how do you guys handle that? I, I think that I've handled it before. At first I thought it was awkward. I thought it was weird. Um, and I've had situations where somebody had said, this is what I need. I need you to be here at, you know, 9 PM or 8 PM on a weekday. And they're training with another trainer at like, you know, 8 AM, 9 AM. And I'm like, well, what was that about? Why do I, why did you say that to me? But sometimes it's not about the individual. And this is something I had to learn through experience. It's not about that individual relationship between you and that person. It's kind of like, uh, that person is going through a journey and we don't really know where that person is. And sometimes they think that everybody can meet them where they're at. And then they realize that, no, that that's not the case. And then it also, for me, it learned, um, or I learned to kind of set boundaries. So that way I wasn't just always responsible for, you know, showing up, you know, at odd hours of the evening during the work week, and then expected to like follow up with like homework every week. And then when they didn't do the homework, I would have to create more homework and like things on top of things. So setting boundaries, that's really helped me out. And um, yeah, some clients just making that change toward another person and you can't be bitter about it. I don't, I don't think that's a positive way. How about you guys? I love being bitter about it. It's healthy. It's normal until a certain extent. Then you got to get over it. Um, I find that some clients don't know how to handle anything. So they do it the best way they know how, which is just to avoid everything and dip and lie to you. Um, 
But then also that other trainer should also come at you and be like, yo, your old client wants me to train them. I think that's the professional and, you know, nice way to handle it. Not just not say anything and take, take your client, you know, um, cause it's happened to me before where I was asked to train someone permanently while I covered this, I covered this person. I trained this person like twice, I think. And then they're like, Hey, I want you to train me now, not this other person. And I was like, Oh shit. So then I told this other person, the other trainer, I said, Hey, this is what's going on. You know, cause I didn't want to show up the next week with the client and I'm like, Oh, Hey, what's up? You know? So it's just a nice thing to do. If you're a trainer and somebody approaches you and says, Hey, I don't like my trainer anymore. Can you train me? You know, it's money and it's, it's business. So definitely take it. But at the same time, you know, maybe be professional about it and mature and tell that trainer, be like, Hey, just so you know, FYI, this is what's going to happen. I just thought you should know. And then you just move on from it. I think, um, again, being sensitive, being, or having boundaries, because I know Angel, this happened between us actually, where I did his CPT with someone and should I have done more research and I should have approached you. And I think I saw someone had done a, had either trained with you or was training with you. And at the time I was building my business up and you know, at that time you think any number in the door helps you. And this person does CPT. And then she says, Oh, I'll probably go about the training of angel. And I'm like, Oh, so you are still currently training. And I think you saw me with this person. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, I don't like, remember. You remember who that oh, is, shit. right? John. No, I and don't remember. Oh, you don't remember who that is? Person. No. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was with us. And then at the time I thought, yeah, that's something that I should have gone on, gone and checked with you and said, hey, this person has has either had sessions or had had sessions with you. Mm. Actually, I've just checked in with you and said, oh, like, does this person still train with you? Has it been a long time? Because on... Um, Sometimes the data we get doesn't show us whether it was last week or if it was, I mean, last week you see in the calendar usually, but I guess we can't see if it's last week or six months ago. You don't know how recent it was, you know? And, and then also it's, that's why when I went up at my stuff in, in the other end, I thought, oh yeah, that would be kind of, that would, that would feel shitty. And I've also had it the other way around when someone stopped training me for a number of reasons, but then they were, tra- they were, the irony is they were trying to go through different trainers and real after a period of time had gone through about three or four and it hadn't walked out and they reached back out to try to, and it, that, that bridge had already been burned. So it was, it was beyond repair, but it was, that helped me after the fact of, of seeing that person with other trainers. I thought, Oh, that, you know, maybe they'll prefer it. Maybe they'll realize that my style wasn't for them. Maybe they'll what they'll be more successful. You know, you start having all these fears or these doubts. And uh, in retrospect, once I finished that process with the, the client came around and said, you know, after trialing five, six, seven trainers, I realized that the best it was with you. It, it helped me realize that the product I give is, is unique. There's a reason why people come train with me. And if you don't want to train with me, that's, that's fine. That's with you. I think it just, that process helped me realize that uh, like I am legit. And so I just trust them, you know, I've seen people train. I've also had clients when I've gone away have had coverage and then not to toot my own horn, but they've come back and thought, no, I prefer your style actually. Or like the way you progress, I prefer the style of your progressions. It's not just load. It's more complex. It's taxing my nervous system first before taxing my body with increased load. Um, that being said, I also have the scenario where, uh, wait, dealing with a client. Um, 
there was one other scenario where I had my first knee surgery and I had a coworker cover my client and I said, here's the program, do said program. Client has injuries, serious back sensitivities and hip sensitivities, then do the program. I come back, the, I should have had the conversation with the trainer, I never did, but the, the client came back and said, no, we did something completely different. And uh, the tr- client went to train on once a week with me instead of twice, and then once the other trainer. Mm. And, you know, injuries kept creeping up, creeping up, sorry. And um, it was just to show, and in the end, the client went back twice a week, but it was just to show that, yes, there might have been frustration with the path at the time, but when you have injuries, sometimes those plays uh, hurdles on your progress and it just, you can't just blow that out of the water and think we're going to do big complex moves as much as fun as they are. And as rewarding and as, uh, pivotal they are for transformation, not just mentally, but physically, you have to make sure the foundations are set up. And unfortunately some of those weren't set up and the injuries kept creeping back in. And it just, to me was, yeah, that was just a very good learning experience. Um, I, it's really hard. I think we can all agree. It's very hard to not take it personally as well. Like it's really hard to think. And, and you mentioned as well, the time thing. I have another example where someone always had to do a certain time. And when I passed them on, they ended up being more flexible. And I was like, what? Like all these years, you were never flexible. All of a sudden, this person doesn't have that time and you're more flexible. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Okay. So yeah. I, 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 in my head, I thought, all right, that's, that's, that's something to learn. But, um, yeah, and I think that for that case in particular, because that part hurts, because it's like yeah. sometimes you know that you're going to be there at like five or six in the morning, and then you're also there at like nine or 10 p.m., and it's for that specific person, and the frequency is there, so you're just like, sure, you know, I'll do it, and then you make that compromise, and then you end up almost not necessarily regretting it, because I guess there's always, you know, something that you get from it, but you just feel like the relationship is not there um, because you're being put in a position where, or you're putting yourself in a position where you're making sacrifices for your, you know, personal sacrifices for somebody else's well-being. Um, and then when they change, it's like, oh yeah, no, I don't have to have that done. But anyway, um, yeah, the boundaries really help. And it's a, it's a lesson learned at the end of the day, right? We all um, went into it optimistic and then we learned a lesson afterwards and that's you know now we won't make that mistake again you know um but going to the other half where you know you have to part ways with somebody and they're not you can't trust these never mind (laughs) wait nah no i think i I think about some a song sorry i think as trainers it's really important to kind of like have that team and that camaraderie there but sometimes that's not always there. I think that where we were at for when we were there, it was very unique in the sense that we all had kind of like a mesh and everybody had their own personality, true. But we all respected the fact that we were all there doing the same thing. Some people didn't, but that's neither here nor there. Different story. This is a different story. Um, but for clients that are leaving, you know, for whatever reason, and they're just not coming back, you know, sometimes that's a little bit tough because you build that relationship. And I know in previous, in a previous episode, I said, you know, none of my clients are my friends. And I kind of drew that line there. And I kind of like thought about it after I was like, man, well, some of them are really good to me. And some of them, you know, we talk and stuff like that. Um, But I do prefer to keep it professional. And then after that relationship is done, then we can, you know, meet up personally and do whatever we got to do. It just works better for me and my brain. Um, So that way I don't, 
we we don't draw you know cross each other cross the line with each other but for clients that are leaving forever gone i i really deuces i really uh i had a, a workshop back in back in college we did and we did two internships one was a commercial internship and one was a uh clinical internship and we also had to meet every week during this you know time period for this class we had to meet every week and we were put on to like somebody who was in the fitness industry and they did like a zoom call or they came into class and they you know we spoke to them one-on-one -on -one and we got to ask them a bunch of questions it was a really good opportunity to meet some people in the field and one of the one of the one person that we met spoke a little bit about how when you train a client it's not necessarily training them so that you can train them for like 20 years 30 years 40 years but one of the goals and one of the biggest goals that gets kind of overlooked is building up the confidence and building up the knowledge base for that client so that way when they step into a gym or when they step into you know, whenever they want to work out, they know what to do. They know how to program for themselves. They know where to go um, and also what to look for. And that becomes something that gets overlooked because it's kind of like, sometimes you get into the habit of just doing stuff for them, like setting up the weights. This is what we're going to do. This is the plan. But um, speaking to another point on another podcast that we spoke about is just like building that transparency where they can see the clear line of this is where we are. This is where we're going to go. And for me personally, I think that it's important to build that confidence and build that library for your clients. So that way, when they move on, they're not just lost again. And that's one of the biggest things that I fear from a professional standpoint is that after stopping with somebody, after stop working with somebody, they just don't know what to do. They feel unequipped. They feel nervous. They feel anxious. And that's um, something that I try to avoid like the plague. But what about you guys? Are there things that you do with your clients while you have them just so that you can prepare for the eventual departure? Not specifically. Oh, nah. I don't, I don't think I have anything. I mean, I tell them on the, when we do the assessment that I want to, I'm going to teach them how to do things on their own for that, for the time when I'm not going to be here anymore. So I don't know. I hope they they you know keep up with some of the some of the work and the jargon that we say but i think a lot of it has to do with how you have the sessions going like if you have them help you with the weights if you have them take it off um teach them where things are different kinds of barbells that's about it you know resources sending resources online to read that's good because even the squat rack trying to I mean, for some people, it's really easy, but for some people, it's like a puzzle yeah. with weight where you're trying to set up the height on the rack and they'll just look at you like, I don't know what to do here. And then they just won't do it. So teaching them about that stuff is important too, like the fundamentals. I think picking back off that point as well, those are some conversations that I'd had with some clients as well, where I didn't even think about it being a learning experience for them that if they were to go do back squats, front squats by themselves and not be with me. And this is true for a client who no longer is training with me. She moved elsewhere, but that was the thing was to stop fixing the right height for her to see what height works for her, her to know when she goes by herself. And, you know, I still think 
gyms can be intimidating regardless of background or bringing. And so just being able to have that confidence and doing it and, and getting it wrong now or getting it wrong with the trainer. So the trainer is there to help you guide you and whatnot and, and to, to fine tune those pieces. And, you know, I think the other thing as well, you mentioned to, to set them off on their journey, if they're no longer working with you, if they can work out by themselves and when they send you homework, or examples of what they did work out and you see your style of training in that home in that workout you know you've done your job i think seeing the way they do the patterns but only but only the the layout of the of the workout where it's with the the evenness of having pulls pushes hinges hinges and and knee dominant exercises and trunk and and that kind of that kind of style, then I think you've done your job. And I think if someone has that mindset that they're going to form role and they're going to listen to their body, and even just this, just not just only goes for the movement, but for their regen part as well, right? Where now they make sure to drink enough water, and they know that's why it affected their sleep, or sleep has been affected, not necessarily directly related, but had some link there. They know that it's all correlated in some respect. And if you've had those conversations, I think you set them up. Um, it does suck sometimes. Well, it always sucks when you use a client, but when you, especially if you've mentioned, you build that strong bond. Um, I know when I lost a client, uh, during pan- the pandemic, uh, cause they moved out West that like sucked just cause that, like you have these, again, not every relationship with the client is the same, but some of them have different bonds and this was a really good bond. This was hilarious. A uh, really good person. And then just, we all have those examples though. And you're just like, Oh, like you cherish the time you had to work with them. It was a pleasure to work with them. And, I think the the other thing I will say as well is something I try and communicate to the client when I either take on someone who has had worked, who has worked with a trainer prior or who will go work with them is not to say what they did was wrong and what I'm teaching them is right. And I always try and get that mentality with them as well is it's not what you were doing was wrong, but I think if we do it this way, you'll be more efficient. If you do it this way, you will feel better with it. You will get more out of it. And I think I had a client and we'll wrap it up, but a client who wasn't able to do lunges and she was training with a client for 20, 25 years, which was never able to do it. And then we got to the process between six and 10 weeks where she was doing walking lunges. And it's mm-hmm. not, again, not to like shout myself out, but it was, I never took the opportunity to say, oh, that was a trash trainer. I said, no, maybe he just had a, he was more centered on working on different things with you. It wasn't mm-hmm. everything he did was wrong. It was more that he maybe had a different style and maybe he didn't see getting you to lunge was as important as some of the other areas of opportunity you had. Every coach is different. Every coach is a different set of lens. I think when, um, if we've shared clients or covered a client, we've all noticed something that we didn't maybe see because we work with that client often and it, it happens. I just think it's a normal way of putting it. But I thought that was an important thing to mention as well, that the, at least the clients know that, oh, I was doing it wrong all the time. They're like, no, let's just do this different. You know, I inherited, I'm covering someone else's client for the summer. And the first thing I saw was their stance and their deadlift. They've been deadlifting like that for years. And it's not what I thought was saying was wrong. It's just, I think you might be able to feel smoother when you put your feet close together, whatever it is. But I just thought that was an important thing to bring up as well. Yeah. And so I, I agree with that. And it changes the di- the dialogue and the conversations that you have with the client. And then the yeah. client's internal dialogue with themselves starts to change as well. Because sometimes people feel like, it's like the difference between saying I'm spending money versus I'm wasting money right? When you start saying that, oh, I wasted money on this meal. It's like, well, you didn't waste it because it's a meal that you ate, right? You spent the money on that meal, but it's not like you just took it and you just threw it in the air and then you just walked away, right? That's wasting money. Um, But having that conversation with clients and then they start to change their dialogue 
and not saying, oh, I wasted my time with that trainer or I was doing something wrong all that time with that trainer, you know, trying to give that trainer the benefit of the doubt because at I mean, the end of the day- if you're deadlifting with the round back, you're doing it wrong. We just got to put that out there. If, if, sure. if, if you're doing the deadlift with a rounded back and you've been doing it for years, you can't just be like, oh, no, it's fine. The well, only thing is that also set that like, there's some, there's, there's the, there's a thing where you got to be like, at the, at, there's a point where you like that. That's not right. The only thing I'm going to say on that though. And because someone came after me for something, not, not for rounding their back, but for something in a pattern, uh-huh. let's say this person, I'm not defending this. And I, I agree with you that if you're, if your deadlift looks like the hunchback or Notre Dame, then there's something wrong. But imagine if, imagine if that person does have this rounding back, but imagine if you saw the, saw that first video, that first picture of them, how much more rounded it was. And I just right. think that's something to bear in mind is the, and I'm not countering your argument. I'm just saying it's something just to think of when you see that maybe they've mm. come a long way just because yeah. when someone came after me for something and I, and yes, it, it was not even near a finished product, but I, I kept thinking and my argument was, but if you saw how far this person came, you put that into context. So, but I, I know I totally hear what you're saying. I'll say that. I, I think I agree with both of those points. And the other thing that I would say is sometimes you get clients that don't do the movement pattern well, and it becomes more of a, like you're, you're spending more time on something when you can do something else and their likelihood for injury is much higher doing said movement pattern. So you take time away from doing that movement pattern to do another movement pattern because you're like, you know that they do this one well. And the other one, they just don't. And you're trying all your cues. You use all the tools in your toolbox, but you can't solve that problem for whatever reason. And instead of just continuing to beat a dead horse, you say, all right, we're going to do glute bridges or we're going to do, I don't know, hip, hip thrusts, but we're not going to focus on deadlifts because deadlifts are not uh, something that I can equip you for. And maybe they don't say that. Maybe they say that in, in their head. They're just like, oh, nah, I'm not going to have this guy deadlift. This guy, it's a dub, like no deadlifts, right? Um, but still, like, I, I think that, I think your points are right. But just being mindful of that kind of changes the dialogue for you and the clients. Because then the other thing is, and this is kind of like, I'll put a, a period at the end of this, is it creates a negative dialogue between the client and the trainer and they start to look at other trainers as less good or less uh, like of lower quality versus this is a trainer for you because they do X, Y, and Z. They're saying that trainer sucks, right? So, and then I've seen that too, where there'll be a client and a trainer just looking at somebody else training their client and be like, oh, that person sucks because, you know, they're doing stuff with poor form. And then on the opposite side, I've seen the other trainer and that client say that client sucks. And that trainer sucks because all they do is talk all the whole session. They're not doing any work. Right. And then it creates that whole animosity. And that's how you get a toxic gym environment. Um, and that's how people steal your clients. So it all goes full circle. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my God. Anyway, we'll call it here and then we'll pick it up in the next episode. So Later, guys. Bye. Bye, guys.